Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. From a mental state of mind point of view, from an emotional state of being point of view, from a health point of view, from a longevity point of view, and from a success point of view, statistics and research have now proven the importance of having the attitude of gratitude. We each know this, want this attitude in our lives, and nevertheless just a precious few succeed in achieving the attitude of gratitude as a permanent personality. Why? What stops us from surrendering our sense of entitlement, disappointment, sense of victimhood, and ongoing resentments? One needn't be a rocket scientist to know that the answer is ego. However, knowing the answer obviously hasn't helped us solve the issue. Why? Self-knowledge is important, but insufficient. Got it. However, this too hasn't gotten us out of the prison. In this lecture, based on a teaching of the Rebbe, delivered in 1966, exploring the Zohar's opinion on the commandment of saying grace over everything we eat, drink, and enjoy, we will find the mystical reason of why we struggle with having the attitude of gratitude with the practical actions we need to take to overcome the struggle. In this week's Torah portion we are taught, And you will eat and be sated, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. From this verse we learn the concept of Birkat Hananin, blessings upon enjoyment which means that we must make a blessing upon all that we enjoy in God's world. When it comes to eating, there is a before blessing and an after blessing. When it comes to fragrances or other enjoyments of God's world, there is only a before blessing. When a commandment is explicitly stated in a verse of the Torah, it is a biblical commandment. However, if a commandment is not explicitly stated in the Torah and the verse in the Torah is seen just as an ismachta de alma, reference only, then the commandment is a rabbinical commandment and not a biblical commandment. There are many reasons why we have rabbinical commandments and the buffer zones that they set up beyond the scope of this lecture. Concerning the blessing we make before and after eating or drinking, there is an argument between the Holy Zohar and the Talmud whether they are all biblical or not. The Code of Jewish Law, based on the Talmud's opinion, rules that only the grace after meal blessing are biblical, which while all other before blessings and after blessings are rabbinical. The reason for this opinion is the verse's emphasis on, and you will eat, and be sated, implying that only an eating that leaves one sated mandates that an after blessing be made. The sages then go on to explore what type of meal is for the purpose of being, being sated versus just being a snack, and they conclude that it is a meal with bread. The laws are more complicated than just that, however, for the sake of simplicity, I am generalizing it as such. So, in short, the Code of Jewish Law says the only biblical commandment is the Birkat HaMazon, the grace after meal we say, after we eat bread. The Zohar on the verse states, This commandment is to make a blessing to the Holy One, blessed be He, upon everything one eats, drinks, and enjoys in this world. Thus, the Zohar clearly defines the biblical commandment to include all blessings upon enjoyments. Now, truth be said, we do find the Zohar's opinion in the Talmud as well. 
The Talmud questions, how do we know that there is such a thing as a before blessing when the verse clearly speaks only of an after blessing? In which only after you eat and are sated, do you believe, do you bless God? Sorry, not believe, bless God. In response, they use a kalvachoma, a fortiori. That if when one is sated, one blesses God, how much more so when one is hungry, one must first bless God for having food. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, known in the Mishnah and Talmud simply as Rebbe, and says that no kalvachoma is needed because the verse explicitly states, and you will eat and be sated, then bless Hashem. God. Thus we see that Rebbe sees the verse to include all blessings, including before blessings, in his biblical commandment. The reason why the Code of Jewish Law doesn't rule like Rebbe is because of the rule that when there is a difference of opinions between the one and the many, the law follows the many. However, based on the Talmudic statement, these and these are the words of the living God, we find that the Zohar will accept the opinion of the one even in the face of the many. The exploration of the Rebbe's Mimer in 1966 is to understand the mystical depths of the different opinions between the Zohar and of the Code of Jewish Law. After the Zohar defines the biblical commandment of this verse to include all blessings upon enjoyment, it then continues with defining the liturgy of blessings. The word Baruch, blessed be, opening word of every blessing. This is the secret of the source of all, to empty, pour out, and to draw forth, and to illuminate all candles. That's what the Zohar says. This too we shall explain practically in the exploration of our lecture. And now for the list of the mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. The meaning of destined to endure. B. The the prerequisite to gratitude. C. Sparks of Toho, and last, D, with all your might, and let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Our sages and ethics of our fathers state, any dispute that is for the sake of heaven is destined to endure. One that is not for the sake of heaven is not destined to endure. Which is a dispute that is for the sake of heaven? The disputes between Hillel and Shammai. Which is a dispute that is not for the sake of heaven? The dispute of Korach and all his company. What is the meaning of destined to endure when in the final analysis the law is like Hillel and not like Shammai? So much so that the Talmud rules and the opinion of the house of Shammai when it conflicts with the house of Hillel is no Mishnah at all, no teaching, no law. Some explain this in a spiritual level. That these and these are the words of the living God means that in the spiritual world both opinions are true and upheld. The reason for this is that the truth of Torah expresses itself in all the seven branches of the menorah that was in the holy temple. The seven branches are the seven different emotion emanations through which each soul manifests itself. Hillel's soul was the manifestation of the first branch of kindness and thus Hillel's opinion is consistently that of leniency while Shammai's soul manifested itself through the second branch of strictness, and thus Shammai's opinion is consistently stringent. All these branches existed, were kindled, and illuminated the Holy Temple. Thus all opinions are valid and true in the house of God. However, 
the present state of the physical world can only sustain the parameters of kindness and leniency. And therefore the final ruling is as the opinion of Hillel, to the point of, again we quote, and the opinion of House of Shammai when it conflicts with the House of Hillel is no Mishnah. In truth, however, this explanation does not explanation does not suffice, for the words destined to endure in the Torah given specifically to us here on earth is speaking of endurance in our physical world and not just in some spiritual domain. Thus we turn to the definition of Rabbi Isaac Luria, the great Arizal, who explains that in the future, in the times of Mashiach, the law will revert to the opinions of the house of Shammai. And thus both opinions truly physically endure. That of the house of Hillel in our times and that of the house of Shammai in the times of Mashiach. The legal backing to the Arizal's explanation is based upon the law that a courthouse greater in number and stature may overturn the ruling of a previous courthouse which was of smaller number and stature. Thus the courthouse of Mashiach will be greater in number and of stature than that of the times of the Talmud which rules like the house of Hillel. Thus Mashiach and his courthouse will be able to overturn their ruling and rule like the opinions of the house of Shammai. That's the legal backing. Now on a mystical level, the reason for the overturning of the law from the opinions of the house of Hillel to the opinions of the house of Shammai is because of the future state of the world in which we will all be able to rise and uphold the higher perfection of the emanation of strictness, justice, rather than to be in need of the emanation of kindness and its lowering of the bar. With this understanding of the present Talmudic rulings being based on our lower state of being and capacity, we can now explore the difference between the code of Jewish law's opinion of a lower status of the biblical commandment of blessings upon enjoyment and the Zohar's opinion of a higher status of the biblical commandment of blessings upon enjoyment. As you saw in the Zohar's definition of the word blessing, that it means to pour, draw, and illuminate, we now have the deeper mystical powers of gratitude. Gratitude in the world of Kabbalah and Hasidus is not just a response emotion to a past experience. Rather, it is the procreation of a present experience. Gratitude in the form of making a blessing in which we thank God is the procreation of drawing greater divinity, thus greater goodness, into the universe and into our lives. However, the Zohar is not speaking of meaningless lip service. Rather, it is speaking of a true spiritual capacity of the person who is making the blessing. Thus, we have the prerequisites for making blessings on the mystical, proactive level. Let us now move on to the next concept in order to understand the prerequisite that we need in order to make the type of blessings that pours, draws, and illuminates greater unprecedented divinity into our candles made to hold the divine light of illumination. In the evolution of creation from the infinite light to our finite physical world, there is the world of tohu, chaos, which precedes the world of tikkun, orderliness. The reason why that world is called chaos is because it lacks in the constraints and finite boundaries necessary to maintain orderliness. Simply speaking, the infinite lights of Tohu had no respect for the limitations of their finite vessels. This chaos built up to the point where the vessels could no longer endure the might of the lights and the vessels shattered, falling into our world of orderliness. 
Now, our system is called orderliness because the lights are very contracted and diminished while the vessels are very coarse and thick. Thus, the vessels can endure the lights. On the other hand, the price to pay for this orderliness is a very low frequency of revelation, spirituality, passion and pleasure in comparison to what existed in the world of chaos. The shattered sparks of Tohu, which fell very deep into the world of orderliness, carry within them the amazing powers of revelation, spirituality, passion and pleasure of the world of Tohu. Literally, you may envision Superman, who fell from the planet of Krypton, and his greater powers, which simply include his defying the heavy gravity of our world and being able to fly. So it is, when you view the super sparks of Tohu in comparison to our heavy gravity force of Tikkun. The caveat is that when greatness falls, it falls deep and low. Thus you now understand why the greatest experiences of power, passion and pleasure within our world is primarily experienced in the physical and manifests itself as temptation. Nevertheless, if we are able to face temptation and overcome it, we have successfully shed away the external loneliness into which the super sparks of tow and are then gifted with its spiritual infinite powers. Again, let us draw up a picture through which to see this practically. The powers of an Arabian stallion is great and majestic but unreachable before you break its arrogant spirit of ego. Only after you break its ego spirit are you able to saddle it and harness its energy for productivity. So too it is with physical wealth, fame, power and pleasure for the human being. It is said that the one thing a king needs to accomplish before he can rule over others is to first be able to rule over himself. Simply speaking, before we can overcome our servitude to food, we cannot elevate food. Within every physical object, there is a super spark of tohu locked within an experience of temptation. The prerequisite to connect with the superpowers of the spark of tohu is to overcome and cast away its casing of temptation. Thus the mystical reasoning for the opinion of the code of Jewish law that we can only make the blessing after we eat is because we first must pass the test of eating in which we can cast away the temptation of pleasure upon our taste buds buds, and gluttony of our sense of entitlement. Only then can we connect with the super spark of Tohu and make a blessing of gratitude which procreates the pouring, drawing and illumination of the supernal source of all into our Tikkun candles of orderliness. To understand the Zohar's opinion, we need to ask ourselves, what if we were able to live in a consistent state in which we shed the course of ego of our vessels of orderliness, thus opening ourselves up permanently to the super sparks of Tohu. This is the reality of which the Zohar is speaking of. In the commandment to love God, we have three parts. A. With all your heart. B. With all your soul. And C. With all your might. The first two paths are achieved and maintained without completely smashing our ego of orderliness. The intellectual concentration and meditation to these two loves are within the ego of self. Allow me to explain. 
There is a very coarse level of self-centeredness that we can overcome by calling a meeting of all our self-centered self, in which we fully explain to ourselves and fully understand the devastating impact that our self-centeredness is having in our lives. We humbly face that what our self-centeredness is destroying in our spiritual lives, our family lives, and in our business lives. The outcome of this board meeting of the self is that we conclude and implement how we are going to get out of our self-centeredness. In this process, we, at some level, transfer the center of our universe from self to God. And with this, we transfer some of the love from self to God. However, this entire board meeting was made up only of members of self. And thus it is self-understood that with all its altruistic intentions, there is a limit to how much the higher functioning members of self are capable of stepping out of self. The entire transfer of centeredness from self to God and our love for God is limited to how far we can transcend beyond the very fibers of self. Thus this love is defined and limited to the capacity of your heart and your soul, self. The process of loving God with all your might cannot be accomplished through a board meeting of self. For this love demands an absolute and total shedding and smashing of self and an absolute transferring of the centers of one's universe from self to God and an absolute infinite love to God greater than one's love of self and life itself. This is impossible through the thought process of self. Rather, this demands an obedience to something greater than self. This service of obedience and its experience of total freedom of the bondage of self is what the Zohar's opinion is based upon. In loving God with all your might, we are consistently opening ourselves to and connecting ourselves with the infinite superpowers of these sparks of Tohu. Thus, even before we eat of the spark of Tohu, we are already capable of proactively creating the blessing of pouring, drawing, and illuminating our candle vessel with the infinite divinity of the source of all. After which, when we overcome the casing of temptation in eating, we then take the after blessing to a whole new dimension of blessings. In closing, let us now return to how we can embrace the attitude of gratitude and all its secret powers. For starters, most people who don't have gratitude believe that they would be filled with gratitude if only they would have something to be grateful for. In other words, we are willing to love God with all our hearts and minds of self in which the self must first feel that it has what it wants and needs in life before it can be grateful to God. However, the secret of gratitude and its power to pour, draw, and illuminate our lives with infinite blessings depends on us first completely smashing our ego of self, transferring wholly and completely the center of our being to God, and to love God with all our might, even when our minds and hearts don't get it. The way to do this cannot happen through thinking or feeling and can only happen by true actions of selfless kindness to others. Friends, modernity offers growth 
and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.